passion and pageantry of college football lives here. This is the Paul Feinbaum Show, our one podcast. This might be college football headline. Welcome back. Uh, the week has arrived. Football season, yes, has finally ended. I know uh, it seems like uh, a lot of us said goodbye to it, uh, what, uh, five weeks ago tonight? But by the way, speaking of the college football season, there's another hiring that has been made today and a lot of other news to share with you. How about South Carolina? Remember when this used to be a rivalry? Everybody excited when UConn and South Carolina played? Well, another beatdown yesterday by Dawn's ladies in Columbia. Things are changing. UConn used to rule the world. So did Caesar. On the men's side, we are going to have a conversation about this. What is up? Did, did I read this correctly, that Kentucky has now lost, what, three? Three games for the whole season or three straight games at home? Three at home? I mean, three for the season used to be uh, calls for uh, teeth chattering. Look at that. What a weekend it was. Tennessee going down after a big win. How about Auburn? Who expected that down in Gainesville? Mentor beating the... Uh, Student, uh, excuse me, losing to the student. Alabama continues to roll. And Gonzaga, which has not been impressive this year, turned that around at Rupp Arena. That seems to be the magic excellent. Just go to just go to Rupp Arena and find your game. Meanwhile, Kentucky football is going through a uh, carousel for the OC. Comb was there, then he was about to leave, then he stayed, then he left again. And Boise's Bush Hamden looks like he's the man. Now, this could be another conversation piece. Ryan Grubb, who said on National Signing Day, I am your offensive coordinator, is no longer. And he leaves town before he ever moved in. Is this something to worry about for the Crimson Tide? Their number one offensive coordinator, one of the top guys in the whole country, is already gone before Valentine's Day. And UCLA, on the verge of naming Deshaun Foster, former great player, to take over for Chip Kelly, who before was almost shown the door and then finally took the door to Ohio State. Bruce Feldman joining us with all these uh, conversations. I'll get to uh, the situation at Alabama in a minute, but Bruce, thanks for the time. What's going on at UCLA? First of all, Chip Kelly leaving. He survived the season, but now he takes the OC job for O'Brien at, at Ohio State and it looks like UCLA is on the verge or has already made this hire. Good afternoon. What's going on? Elaine has been an assistant there the past few years. Now, it's interesting because Deshaun, Deshaun just left a few weeks ago to become the Raiders running back coach. And I'm told before he left, he actually had a dinner with the AD, Martin Jarman. And it wasn't a shock to anybody around here that Chip Kelly might be leaving. And I think that was broached was, would he have a real good shot to become the head coach if he stayed or whatnot? And I'm told Jarman was pretty candid and was like, I'd, you know, looking for some, I'd be looking for somebody with, with head coaching experience and Foster doesn't have that. He hadn't been a coordinator, but he is somebody who, when you talk to other assistant coaches who've been there, um, he's very well respected. The, the players loved him. He was a really good assistant coach for, you know, in that capacity. And he's somebody who they felt like knows how to motivate and lead and how to handle issues. 
But the biggest challenge for him going forward really is going to be, can he fire up whatever money people there are around UCLA to get their NIL operation going? Because the schools they're competing with in the Big Ten, at least a couple of them, they're well into the eight figures on the NIL war chest front. And what I'm told, UCLA wasn't even in the seven figures um, in its NIL operation. That's part of why uh, Chip Kelly was moving on. Uh, Bruce, how close a call was it even at the end of the season for Chip Kelly to remain? Because I know there was a lot of speculation that he should be gone. You know, it's towards the end of the season, there was a report by one of the recruiting sites that he was going to be out. And when I talked to the AD, he was like, no, that he kind of called it clickbait. And their biggest booster, Casey Wasserman, was dismissive of the story as well, went on the record and said, you know, he, he believed in Chip Kelly. And then they went out and they whipped Lincoln Riley's team across town. And it, so it was like, a really, um, it was kind of an awkward dynamic because on one hand, they've won at least eight games each of the last three years, and they, they'd whipped USC at two of those three years. On the other hand, you know, there's a lot of frustration. It's already kind of an apathetic fan base to begin with. And so the, the attendance was really low. Uh, recruiting hadn't been, hadn't, it wasn't like it was going great either in terms from a recruiting ranking standpoint. So I think there was a lot of frustration with where the program was. Um, and ultimately, I think, you know, when their starting quarterback was in and was healthy, they were really good. When he wasn't, they were not that good. They were very average at best or mediocre. And ultimately, I think for a lot of the fan base, I think they were they were kind of over Chip Kelly. But at the same time, you know, they – one, they won eight games and they they beat USC pretty handily and so I think from from a USC start it's it's hard to like to make a coaching change. You're USC. You're not Texas A and M. They're not like throwing money around. This is not, that's not this place. I mean, financially, the the athletic department is is not on that kind of stable ground. And I think so. You know, yeah, the fan base can be frustrated, and some of the media members who cover the team. I think we're not happy, but again, when they're winning eight games, it's it's like this isn't one of those places that makes big coaching changes. It'd be different, I think, if they were five and seven or even six and six, but they weren't at that point. Bruce Feldman with us. Bruce, another uh, story over the weekend, Ryan Grubb, uh, who never seemed like he completely landed in Tuscaloosa, highly, highly regarded OC uh, for Washington under DeBoer, uh, and then on National Signing Day, he flat out said, yeah, I'm the, I'm the offensive coordinator here, which was the first time anyone was certain, and now he's already gone. Uh, how big of a loss is this uh, to Alabama for Grubb to go to Seattle in the NFL? He played a, a key role for that turnaround at, at Washington. Remember, they weren't even ranked in the top 100 before Grubb and, and DeBoer and obviously Michael Penix got there. And then they had top 10 offenses and were arguably the most explosive offense in the country the last couple of years. And that was a, you know, he's a Kalen Kalen DeBoer protege. He was very uh, involved in it. I think a lot of people highly respect his ability, X and O's, and how he teaches it. Uh, By the same token, it's not like Kalen DeBoer was a defensive guy. I mean, this is his wheelhouse, and a lot of it was, um, you know, stuff that, that came from him and that they developed together. So if I was an Alabama fan, I don't think I'd be like freaked out by it. 
um, what there's a potential other move that could happen where the offensive line coach, Scott Huff, who did a really good job. I mean, they won the Joe Moore award last year. And I know from talking to Huff previously, he loved it up in Seattle. His family was, you know, in some ways, I think it was probably, he was the one holdover on the Chris Peterson staff, you know, through, through DeBoer. And so I, you know, would he go back to Seattle? I, you know, wouldn't be shocking. I think a lot of people think that could happen. So, you know, there's still some dominoes that may happen here for this move. But again, I mean, that's DeBoer's wheelhouse. I think he will be, I think Alabama will be fine on offense ultimately. But uh, Grubb was a great coach and highly respected, and he is now gone, and you're saying the line coach could as well. Let me, let me just talk a little bit generally about what seems to be a, a narrative, and uh, you're in the midst of it, uh, all these coaches bailing out, uh, leaving college, all for different reasons, not all for different, not, not, not all leaving college. We, we, we saw the Boston College coach uh, head to the NFL. We're seeing others making moves. Uh, are these college jobs overall, and I realize that's a big question here, Bruce, is it becoming a less attractive place to work with all this uh, chaos that is currently going on? Yeah, I think for a lot of people it is. Like, if they can go to the NFL, I think it's probably a, a, a more attractive situation just because there's an off-season to, to the life as an NFL coach. There isn't any more in college football. The calendar is is – is like overwhelming and quite honestly a lot of you know i've talked to a lot of coaches about this and they're like it's like you almost have to save us for ourselves because of how they've created it it doesn't mean i mean it's not like i would worry about the existence of college football there's always going to be people who are going to want to coach it and there's a lot of people who will not have the resources or the ability to make the move to the nfl i mean and and like i think you said this like a there's a lot of different circumstances at play here. You know, Jeff Halfley's situation is he, he did a really good job as the defensive coordinator at Ohio state. And then he, he struggled. Honestly, it was, a, I thought he would have done better than he did at BC. If he had another, if he had a really down year, they might've been making a coaching change. Whereas he goes to the Packers as a coordinator, he's been in the NFL before and well thought of. If he has a really good year next year, he might be interviewing for NFL head coaching jobs as opposed to being at Boston College now where you're fighting with a short stick in the ACC. And, you know, at that point, he's probably one more bat and one more down year away from having to look over his shoulder. So I could see why some of those moves happen and why there's – it doesn't mean that there won't be guys – and we just saw Wink Martindale, who's a really established NFL defense corner, who's close to Rex and Rob Ryan for years. He just left NFL to go – to become the Michigan defense coordinator. So you'll still see some guys go the other way on it, depending on the circumstance, but no doubt, you know, it, it, the, uh, the attractiveness of NFL has gotten a lot more so because of how manic the calendar is in college football these days. Great stuff. As always, the one and only Bruce Feldman joining us from Fox and the athletic. Uh, we'll, we have a lot more to do. Uh, we're just getting started here. Long show ahead on a Monday, day after the Super Bowl. We will take your phone calls at 855-242-7285 and come right back. Is your schedule too packed to see a doctor about your erectile dysfunction? Well, with Hims, now you can get treated for ED without stepping foot outside your door. They're changing men's health care by providing access to affordable sexual health treatments from the comfort of your couch. 
HIMSS provides access to doctor-trusted ED treatment options such as chewable hard mints, brand name treatments like Viagra, or generic alternatives for up to 95% cheaper. The process is simple and entirely online. Just answer a series of questions and a medical provider will determine the right treatment option. If prescribed, your medication ships to you free. No insurance needed. So what are you waiting for? Join the hundreds of thousands of trusted HIMSS subscribers and get treated. Start your free online visit today at hymns.com slash Paul. That's H-I-M-S.com slash Paul for your personalized ED treatment options. Hymns.com slash Paul. Hard mints are chewable compounded products which are not approved by or verified for safety or effectiveness by the FDA. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies on product and subscription plan. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. Back in Brad Crawford, who uh, we just saw a minute ago. This is his way too early. You got Georgia, Ohio State, Texas, Oregon, Ole Miss, Alabama, Michigan, Missouri, Notre Dame, Penn State. That contradicts what he just got through telling us, doesn't it? Not to be a stickler here, but something must have changed. Ryan Grubb leaving actually made Alabama go up. John Clay covers John Calipari, and that is a full-time beat. Chris Marler, who I don't know what he covers, but he'll be here. And Mark Schiffer covers college football. And your phone calls. And who better to start the show than the handsome one? Roll that rope, Paul, bomb, bomb. And hey, you Joe. know what? Hey, I got it. I got to start off by saying it was Super Bowl Sunday yesterday, and I passed a kidney stone. Oh, wow. I don't know if you've ever done that. Yeah, I, unfortunately I have. It is very, very, very painful. I think I'd rather have somebody open my stomach up with a sword. Me too. Hey, I let it pass, and I was, I mean, I, mean, I was so close to going to the hospital because, you know, when you got a you know, you got to go real bad, and then it's blocked up, and you can't. Yeah. I, I, and it's just like your kidneys is, like, punching yeah. you in the sides. And and then finally, when that goes, but it's painful when it goes. It's like, being, it's like being in the ring with Larry from Shelby. It is. In fact, when I, I thought about Larry, when it, as soon as I passed it, I thought about Larry. I'm like, this is a, this is a Larry Stone. It's a Larry Stone. So how are you doing now? I'm doing I'm doing good, Paul. But, but I got to say this, you know, I don't care too much about Jim Harbaugh because I think he just really, really wishy washy out there. But his brother John Harbaugh, I listened to him on a One Nation with Brian Kilmeade on Fox this past Saturday night. Oh, really? And he really put it out is there. He, uh, is he running for something? No, he was just mainly talking about religion. 
Oh, okay. That there's there's things bigger than football. Yeah, I, I like I like John. I, I would agree with you on that. He's a, he's a really good coach and seems like a normal person compared to his brother. Exactly. Yeah, Jim Jim's the black Jim's the black sheep. John's actually good. But that just brought me back, Paul. Last week, I mean, I could have called in the last couple of days last week, but I had actually had an encounter, and I had a family member cuss me and accuse me and call me different names. Ooh. And I I did, I, I went down to her level. I cussed back, and you shouldn't have to do this to a, especially a family member. How close a family member? Real, real close. Okay. I, I I don't want to give specifics because well, you know people and everybody listen. Yeah, I mean, yeah, your family can but be on Family was, Feud one day, so we wouldn't want to get the beans out. Right, but it was. Uh, I mean, it got. She, I mean, she got in my face, and I thought she was going to hit me, and I got up and. You know, I. Well, I Joe, things, uh, what what would have happened uh, had she hit you? I don't even want to think about it. Okay. I don't because from years from years ago something that happened. I do have PTSD, and okay. I don't even want to. I don't want to think about it. But you know, I I had to pray to God that night. You know that things are bigger in right. this world than, and especially family. So I had to pray. I did soul searching because. Well, you know, there's nothing more important than family. Until you until you right. have to deal, until I, you have to deal with them. Right, and I shouldn't have stepped down to that level. I mean, I really shouldn't have because I, I ended up cussing more than she did, and I'm ashamed of what all I did say, especially being that close of a family member. And I felt bad about that, but I'm going to bring this back up to a good, good point right now. Okay, that's good. You know, y'all, y'all been on this air now on, on SEC Network like eight, nine years. And uh, that's we how long will be, I've been we will, uh, ten years in August. Okay, I've been calling that whole time, and it took me literally eight years before you would even, which I don't blame you, take me seriously. But I'm going to, I'm going to say this is a good point to AJ, because AJ started calling about a year ago, and his calls really sucked. But he's, he's now he's, you want to listen to him. I mean, so he's actually coming along way lot more further than I did. And I know he's an Auburn fan, and you know, but I, I want to give compliments to AJ there. And I do want to say this one more thing to, to close this out. On a good note, as far as Jim, you know, Jim cusses a lot. He uh, he lies a lot. He's a blowhard, but I do kind of like him, Paul. But he's kind of like the guy that, when you're on the playground, you know, in elementary. When you pick sides, you know, you pick teammates, pick this and this and this, and he's like the last pick. And I think sometimes they didn't even pick him because it's better to go a player less. <laughs> so, I mean, hey, I'm, Joe, mo most important, I'm, I'm really glad you're feeling well, and you, and you, you take care of yourself. Thanks, thanks for calling. Uh, John is up next. Uh, hey, John. Paul, thank you so much for having me on your show, as always. And uh, <clears throat> great game last night, but uh, – I actually wanted to call, I heard a gentleman call last week named G from Atlanta and uh, share his testimony about how he's looking for a kidney transplant. Yeah, exactly. And I, wanted to, and I wanted to go ahead and reach out and share my testimony that I actually have a kidney transplant and give him a little bit of encouragement because he was saying things that I went through um, when I was a younger man. Uh, I was over 250 pounds, and I'm about 
five foot ten, so my natural weight should be one eighty to two hundred, somewhere around in there. And I remember the doctors telling me, John, before you get on, you need to get under two hundred pounds and you know, it was a whole process of it wasn't just losing weight, it's a whole lifestyle change. And um you know, gee, you can do it. The people that love you and really and I'm not trying to get too much into uh, faith and stuff like that, but you're really relying on God because that's ultimately where the faith comes from. You can sit there and psych yourself up in your mind as much as you want, but when it comes time to the actual surgery and finding all that, it's a lot of unknown and stress that you know we ourselves can't really deal with, but when you have God and you have family that loves you, that's what makes it get through it. And, uh, it can be a, a part of denial. The doctors, they don't, it's not really true. I don't have to do that, but yo, it, it is true. So just for my advice to you, G, uh, one thing you can do, start drinking a lot more water. That will make you feel much more full. It'll make you eat less food. And well, yeah, well, I know- well, John, yeah, G, I mean, I think he would, would, yeah, I appreciate you saying that. I mean, he's going through a very difficult time. He's going through a couple of di- dialysis a week, and I'm sure he'll appreciate you hearing it. Hey, thanks. We're heading to the break. We have a lot to do. We started with Bruce Feldman. A number of other guests will be dropping by, and we are coming right back. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. Uh, DJ uh, said nothing like jumping in the truck, turning on Feinbaum, and hearing the story of some guy that passed a kidney stone. You know what? Really not a big surprise. That's uh, pretty much every day here on the new and improved Dr. Phil. Lee is up next in Cincinnati. Hello, Lee. Hey, Paul. Thanks for taking the call. And what I was wondering is, I guess, how, how good do you think the Florida Gators are going to be? And do you think that they might actually get rid of Billy Napier and hire Lane Kiffin? Uh, I think they'll be average. Uh, I know there's a lot of hype over the new quarterback, but uh, haven't seen too many freshman quarterbacks lead a team to a great season, especially with the most difficult schedule in the country. And, you know, they got for all the hype over a couple of big-time five-star recruits, it, you know, what, what went out the door – is most disturbing to me. And I, I'm worried about the culture of that program. I'm worried about the mindset. And I think it's going to be a fascinating season for Billy Napier. And you know, what, is, what is he, uh, you know, can he get some energy uh, to this program? Can he, can he transform it? But, it, but he, he is really sh- very short on time. Well, I agree with you about that, but that's why I'm saying 
I, no offense, I would love it if they would bring Lane Kiffin in as a coach. He's a winner everywhere he's gone. And I think he could turn the culture around in Florida, personally. Well, I, I, I can't really get too deep in, in that offer because I, I don't know what is going through Lane Kiffin's mind. Uh, clearly, uh, would he be a burst of energy to Florida? Yeah, no doubt. Uh, you know, Kiffin had some difficulties with the Alabama search because there were, there were people that were against him. And I don't know if, uh, you know, if the people at Florida would feel differently, but you know, I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't argue with you. I mean, would Lane Kiffin be a better choice than what they have now? I think most people would agree. Yes. John is up next in Louisville. Hey, John. Hey, who doesn't love handsome Joe, right? Kidney stone lists and all. <laughs> I mean, the only names I would call him is honest and humble. I, uh, I don't, I can't believe somebody doesn't like him. But um, it's the end of uh, football. There's no more Tony Romo, uh, no more chicken wings, and Taylor and Travis. How about how about Tony almost getting through the game without a, t- a total screw up, and he managed on the biggest play of the year in co- in football. Absolutely did. I'm going to talk about Super Bowl, but quickly I want to give some thumbs down real quick. First is uh, Jake Moody cost me a lot of money with that extra point. <laughs> Ryan, Ryan Grubbs and Scott Huff, they're both leaving. They didn't give Alabama a chance. Jed Fish, the ink isn't dry on his new contract. And he interviews with UCLA. Chip Kelly running that team into the ground before he leaves. Kentucky not waiting for March to St. Peter out. And then uh, Jim Harbaugh taking four of the best coaches with him from Michigan. Is that a good list? Yeah, I think uh, of all the things you said, uh, the Ryan Grubb Huff thing is really. Uh, I mean, I know Bruce didn't uh, overly uh, over, go go overboard on that, and I understand why. I mean, DeBoer is a is a, is a great offensive mind, but what made Brian, what what made Kalen DeBoer so effective last year was having a, a, an offensive mind like Ryan Grubb, uh, having an offensive line coach. And now if both are gone, and I, I'm not, uh, I haven't heard any, I mean, I know, I know Grubb is, uh, I, I'm not, did I, has Huff been announced? Uh, I'm not sure. Um, yeah, it's in the, it's, okay. uh, he's all but gone and he, okay. he, he's going to go back to Seattle. With so that, so that, that uh, the, the combination of the two of them is, is I, I think it's a devastating blow to Alabama. Uh, and what I don't yep. like, uh, and, and I don't know uh, really what was behind it. I, I really didn't like the fact that Grubb tried to pass himself off as the OC uh, for recruiting purposes and then bailed out the second the offer came in. I realized that that was recruiting day and, and, the, and, the, and the Seahawks had not made a final decision, but, but I, find something, I find it very deceptive. Well, he, uh, he only came to Alabama because Washington turned him down. Right. He wanted to be the head coach at Washington. And, so, and I, I, I think still- it also calls in, in, into question exactly what is going on there with, with Kalen DeBoer. Yeah, it does make it, you wonder. Um, they've got great talent there, though. On the Super Bowl, I thought the game was pretty good. Um, I thought the halftime show was above average, uh, probably B plus. And I thought the three best ads were Dunkin' Donuts uh, with uh, Ben Affleck and Tom uh, Brady, State Farm with the Knobber, where they reunite the two twins, Arnold and Danny, and then uh, – the BMW um, ad with Christopher Watkins. What's your thoughts? Yeah, you know, John, I don't know what annoyed me more. The uh, I think I do, actually. But, I mean, some of the ads were good. <laughs> uh, but what annoyed me most during the game was Jim Nance and Tony Romo. 
uh, and, and all the pregame guys saying, you know, the best, you know, the best team is going to win. Uh, I mean, and, and they both want it very badly. I mean, I, I just, I, I guess I, I just, because it's, a, it's the longest day of the year in, in, in pro football, it just gets to the point by, by the end of the day, you are just, uh, just immune to everything that, every, every spoken word. Hey, thank you so much for the call. Appreciate it. Bash is up next. Uh, Bash, go right ahead. Bash Brother Paul and Notorious Swifty, how was your weekend? Fantastic, thank you. It's great to hear. And I, going on that last subject you were just talking about, Paul, about Tony Robo and Jim Nance, I think the real reason they were doing that is they can talk slowly to the young female listeners that were tuning into the Super Bowl for the first time. So just a thought out there. But uh, um, I wanted to ask you about the Ryan Grubb situation, you know, as a rational Alabama fan than I am. I wanted to ask you if you think it has any comparison to the Steve Sarkeesian, um, you know, uh, event that took place six years ago when he left Alabama as the offense coordinator to go be the offensive coordinator at the Atlanta Falcons and then came back to Alabama to be their offensive coordinator. Well, no, I mean, he, he, remember, Sarkeesian took over for the national championship game for Lane Kiffin, and then in a fairly quick sh- uh, period of time, he was gone. He came back later and uh, was very effective. Uh, I- I'm more concerned about this because this is a new coach. Uh, Nick Saban was still the coach back then, and he ended up uh, handling the situation very badly. But, but I, I just, uh, I'm, I'm a little concerned uh, that the most important hi- two hires the guy probably made are now gone. Do you think Alabama might have to bite the bullet and say, Tommy Reese, will you come back and be our offensive no, coordinator? There's no, there, there's no chance of that. Nobody wants Tommy Reese back. Thank, thank God. Thank God. I was like, please, no. Just let him go back to Brian Kelly, and they can have a, a ball with uh, Dwayne in Baton Rouge. Well, he's not, he's not going there. I think he's already signed on uh, with some NFL club as a tight ends coach. I can't remember which one. I have no idea you were the first. That's breaking news on the Paul Feinbaum show. Tommy Reese has a job in football. That's amazing. Well, uh, again, I never, never thought he was that good of a coach. Uh, I never could understand why Saban was so in love with him. And ultimately, Tommy Reese probably cost Alabama a shot at the national championship with that boneheaded play against Michigan. Let's uh, check in with Lester, who is up next. Good afternoon. Hey, Paul, you remember right after uh... – Coach Brown died. They come out with a record. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I sure do. Roger Hallmark, Barry. wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And they said he turned boys into men and taught them how to win. Yeah. Uh, bear, the Bear of Alabama, Roger Hallmark. Yeah, the Bear of Alabama. Great song. And I got the, and I got the record. You got the record? Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, right, yeah, I Roger, uh, I remember Roger, uh, Roger died a couple of years ago, I think, but uh, he, uh, Roger was a pretty, uh, pretty crafty songwriter. Yeah, I like that, though. I thought he'd he done bear a good deed. Well, he did. Uh, yeah, Roger, uh, Roger uh, actually died a couple of years ago. I remember when he died, and uh, 
He did another song during the, uh, was it the, the Iranian situation? Uh, I think it was called A Message to Khomeini or something. Um, but uh, I remember talking to Roger one day. That's really an interesting uh, remembrance. Hey, thank you for the call. Appreciate it. We head to the break. On that uh, note, speaking of Usher and Taylor Swift, a tribute to Roger Hallmark, who wrote The Bear of Alabama. It made number one in Tuscaloosa. And we'll be right back. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. We're back here Monday, day after the Super Bowl and who knows what else. We'll talk about John Calipari's future in the bluegrass coming up here in just a few minutes. Hard to believe that's even a question. We'll find out how much of one it is. Daryl is up next. Paul, how about them Taylor Swift-led Kansas City Chiefs? You know know that when you become the gold standard in college football, it kind of feeds over into the NFL. And, I mean, you know, you saw who made the game-winning touchdown catch to win his team the Super Bowl. McCole Harmon, University of Georgia. Also, hey, I want to point out one thing about Kirk Herbstreit, okay? I think we're giving Kirk Herbstreit way too much credit here uh, regarding that kid going to Nebraska. Because okay, why is that? I don't think what Herbstreit had to say, in my opinion, probably didn't really carry a whole lot of weight with that kid making his decision. If it was Tom Brady or Joe Montana, I would say yeah. But I don't. I mean, Kirk Herbstreit, he never played in the NFL. I don't think any kid would, would put too much into you know what what he had to say. My opinion, and. Um, Oh, let me ask you this: Have you heard about Bo Jackson? I heard he was in, he was involved in a legal case a week ago. Yeah, he won it. He won the legal case, but that was just a mock. I just cannot believe that a nephew and a niece would be trying to go after somebody like that and go after Bo Jackson. That's just is all. You, uh, oh, you would be amazed at what, uh, uh, what out of here. family members Legend will do when it comes on to Friday money. Brought up, mentioned some about his political standings and where, where he stands. Somebody asked. Him, he, it, it, a little advice for him, okay? He don't need to be concerned. Nope, nobody needs to, be, needs to be concerned to which party legend stands for. For this very reason, legend don't legend don't have a vote, okay? He lost his privilege to vote, and I hope that don't hurt his felons. See you, Paul. Wow. Uh, legend was simply expressing his opinion. He wasn't encouraging. Uh, well, anyway. Daryl always knows more. Mike is in Houston. Hello, Mike. Hey, Paul. Nice to be back on. Hey, uh, you know, as an Alabama graduate as well, and a rational thinker, um, yeah, losing losing the OC to Washington wasn't ideal. But, but at the end of the day, the architect of that offense end to end is Kalen DeBoer, and so kind of like Saban had his template that defensive coordinators would run. The next guy's just going to be a plug-and-play. That's how, that's how I feel. Now, again, it would have been nice to have kept him, but I'm not as worried as some fans are. And then I want to uh, 
call out. I don't know the, the, the African American dude that, that comes calls in screaming about how it's all over for Alabama and what LSU is going to do here and do there. And um, I, I don't remember his name, but but how does he feel knowing that that Alabama's won more in Death Valley than we've ever lost to them ever? How that's going to marinate, and if that happened just under Saban, or if that happened long before Saban. The fact of the matter is, we own LSU. Nothing's going to change. They'll get one here and there, but at the end of the day, we own those guys. That's just how it is. I don't care what, what anybody says. So that's all I got, Paul. I'll hang up. Have a great rest of your week. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Joe is up next in Atlanta. Hello, Joe. Hey, Paul. How's it going? Very well. Okay, Paul. Uh... I was going to call you today and say I'm going to give you something that you just won't believe, okay? But now it's going to be you just won't believe part one and you just won't believe part two. Alabama played in Georgia Tech softball this weekend, and uh, they won five games. They're 5-0. and oh. And uh, Saturday they were playing in, in the last game against Georgia Tech, and they were ahead uh, – Five to nothing, and uh, uh, it started uh, drizzling rain in the sixth and seventh inning, and uh, they got to the bottom of the seventh inning, and Georgia Tech was batting, and uh, our pitcher was pitching good, but she was losing control because the ball was wet, you know? And uh, so... Uh, Georgia Tech put three people on, bases loaded. Okay, no outs, bottom of the seventh. And uh, the next girl up hit the first pitch. Deep yeah, right actually, field. not to interrupt you, Joe, but we're showing video of that right now. So it's pretty self-explanatory to the audience what you're uh, getting at. And it ended the game. Thanks so much for sharing that with us. Eddie is up next in North Carolina. Hello, Eddie. Uh, before last Saturday, Paul, I had Auburn and Tennessee in the Final Four. After last Saturday, you can just throw about six of the top teams in men's college basketball in the SEC in a blender and pour it out. No one wants to win the big game. No one wants to take advantage of a silver platter that's being gifted to them. What in the world is going on, Paul? Well, I, I think uh, I, I think the league is very unpredictable. It's very difficult, especially on the road. And I'm not I'm not writing anyone off because of what happened in Gainesville. I think that shows more about what uh, Coach Golden is doing, uh, how far that program has come in, in two years, and and how schools are vulnerable. Look at Tennessee, which has really been one of the most impressive teams all year, and they go out and they're on the road. Uh, it, it I mean they beat. I mean, I was about to say they beat Kentucky on the road. I'm not sure that means very much anymore, but that's a topic for a few minutes from now. Let's uh, check out Jim in Virginia. Hey, Jim. Hi, how are you today? We're doing great. Thank you. A uh, little concerned about Alabama's coaching switches, and I wondered if you'd heard any rumors of whether Shepard might be considering going to – Washington, and are they considering promoting him just to to uh, maybe keep him there? And then I'm from Virginia. I like Jamie Caldwell, who coached uh, Liberty. Uh, would he be uh, someone you would think would be a good offensive coordinator for Bama? 
I'd like to get his name yeah, I think there. Jamie so would be a, Jamie would be very good, but I can't imagine why Jamie would leave. Uh, I mean, I realize that's a million to two million dollar a year job, but but he's he's got too much upward mobility right now. I think as a head coach, uh, 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 David is up next. Uh, hey, David. Hey, Paul. Happy Monday. I hope you're having a good one. Thank you. Hey, I just uh, I wanted to get your thoughts uh, last night on the, and I know you don't do a lot of NFL stuff, but um, on the Kelsey deal about going over and grabbing and shoving Andy Reid. Yeah, I, th- I think I think I Kelsey might want to turn his uh, hot meter down a little bit. Uh, he's lucky Andy Reid didn't put him on the put him on the ground. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. 